0: Welcome to wallet for the win. Good. You are locked on women's basketball.
1: Your daily podcast on women's basketball. Happy Monday, and welcome to Locked On Women's Basketball. I'm Gabe Ibrahim alongside Amy Audibert, and the college basketball season is over. So it's it's like a it's like a bittersweet Monday, I'd say. Probably a little bit bittersweet.
0: Definitely. It's funny. You're the first person I've heard actually say those words (laughs) came and gone, but I would say this before we even start talking, like, let's just take a second. And because how many times in the last five months did we sit here on Monday mornings and say, like, should we even be playing? And and so the fact that they, and I'm not talking about the NCAA, there are some conversations and issues there, but the coaches and the players and those, you know, administrative, the staffs t- to pull this one together and play an NCAA tournament and crown a national champion. And it was went to the team that spent 63 days on the road, who packed their bags, not knowing how long they were going to be gone, you know, and and just like taking a second to kind of just say, like, feel like a sense of pride um, for for, you know, this little community that we're in known as athletics a- and yeah. college athletics. Right. A little bit different. And women's college athletics a lot, a lot different, and just I'm so proud um, to to just yeah I'm proud for them because this I can't even imagine the mental anguish, let alone the physical ailments that went into completing this season.
1: No, I think that's that was the overarching theme is nothing was going to be able to stop these athletes and these coaches from from putting on a great product. And I think this year's tournament. Was just what it was wonderful. It was just like a wonderful event that I think we were missing sorely last year, obviously. And this year's tournament, not only was it an NCAA tournament, which are always fun, this year's tournament was particularly like rife with storylines and great plays and great moments that are going to stick with us. Um, whenever we talk about this sport, you know, I think we're going to bring up this year's tournament um, from Eric McDonald's performance to Caitlin Clark to uh, to Jordan Nixon from Texas A&M. Like, we there were so many moments that are going to stick with us and be part of uh, the college basketball lexicon. Um, and it ends, as you mentioned, with Stanford winning the tournament with all of the things they had to face this season. I think it was kind of a kind of a great capper. And then in the national championship game all the things they had to face and overcome. So, um, kind of, kind of, kind of a, a perfect storyline as much as we, you know, we, I still am questioning if we should have played, or if we shouldn't have played, but it got done. And, and I think we had something special come out of it.
0: For sure. Ask those, ask those, at least those final two teams if we should have played, you know, because yeah. they both, yeah. you could tell at the end when that game was over, obviously, Devastating for Arizona, but they did something really special this year. Mm -hmm. And I mean, when you talk about a household name now, Coach Barnes, Mm -hmm. she's a household name. She calls you, you're picking it up, you know? And and so, just in terms of that program, who was already obviously very strong at the beginning of the season, but now different level, different level when you're playing in that game, right? And, And it's a one point game, big, big time. So, yeah, I mean, definitely, like you said, some teams probably sit at home and they're just, it's just like, oh, should we have played? But you know what? It's over. You did it. You got through it. And now it's now it's, it's, it's all about April 15th.
1: <laughs> I know. And we'll get. So here's our plan yeah. for today. We're going to talk about this national championship game last night. Stanford beating Arizona. Fifty four. Fifty three came down to the buzzer. Um, then we'll get into some of our, you know. We'll talk about either the final four or our favorite moments, depending on how we feel, because we may get into some stuff that will change that. And then we'll talk about the WNBA draft, because we learned a lot about the WNBA draft in this tournament, as we always do, because this is when the lights shine brightest. This is when you learn the most about players. So let's start with this national championship game. Uh, it was, I'm going to say it, it was gross. And it was gross <laughs> in, a, in a, like a beautiful way. Arizona shot 28% from the field. Stanford had 21 turnovers, by far the most they have this season. Uh, I think a lot of this credit goes to Arizona, who is just like, we need to muck up this game. And Stanford, you know, also saying we need to muck up this game by pretty much throwing everything we have at Ari McDonald. But, Amy, I want to know for me, what do you think was the key to Stanford's victory in this kind of, uh, we'll say, uneven game, if you guys don't want to use gross?
0: What was their key? Well, I think they have more balance, right? I think, again, it was like you saw different players step up and do different things at key moments, right? And, and really, three players step up in the final seconds of this game and, and force Ari into a very tough shot. Um, this is why, and it's no cut against Arizona, because like you said, this game was mucked up and that was their game plan and it was a one-point game and it was the closest they've played Stanford all season. And really, this was one shot away from it swinging the other way. But credit to them because they, they in my opinion, they got that game exactly where they wanted it, um, and they had a good chance to win. But I just think Stanford, um, who really had this like business-like attitude all season, um, really was challenged. It was challenged in that Louisville game. You know that that could have also yep. went the other way and figured out a way to gut that one out, and then South Carolina went down to the last shot, figured out how to gut that one out. And this one as well, went down to the last shot and they continued to prevail. You know, Gabe, it was funny. I was thinking, remember when they lost that first game against Colorado? And I remember sitting here talking to you and just saying like, I don't know, like when we talk about a national championship team, they don't drop these types of games. And I'm sitting there last night, like kind of annoyed with myself (laughs) (laughs) because 63 days on the road. Like to me, like that's like part of the season, like figuring they're national champs and really like, no, I don't think any other team in the country did that had to do that. They didn't, they got kicked out of their home for, for two months, basically, you know? And, and so I think that Stanford getting away from the game a little bit, but I think all that stuff goes into like this, like idea of just not allowing themselves to mentally collapse. Yep. They, they kept themselves in games even when it wasn't pretty for them. And it was because different players. I thought that that huge uh, Lexi Hall four point play. I mean, it was earlier in the game, but to me, like just those types that. of things happened like at key moments where it's a one point game. And then the whole time I'm like, I'm pretty sure Stanford's going to win this game just because like. They just, the threats on both sides of the ball, right? Like Wilson, tremendous. Like they just had so many, Keanu Williams had her moments. Like they all had their little moments, there, little big moments. And to me, like, I think that that's what I'm, that's what Stanford did to to really ice the cake here.
1: No, I think uh, what you're, what you're alluding to is the same thought I had at the end of the third quarter. I was like, this is a big moment. Arizona stormed back and got within a point uh, or point or two. I'm sorry. It was like one possession. And it was and Arizona kept trying to get a bucket and Stanford just kept coming up with a stop and a rebound is a stop and a rebound. And it was just like all those bounces that went Arizona's way in the UConn game, really throughout the tournament, those bounces kept going UConn's way. I mean, uh, kept going uh, Arizona's way. The ball would bounce out and go to a, go to an Arizona player. There would be a loose ball. and An Arizona player would be there in this game. Stanford got those rebounds, got the loose balls. Yes. They did not play well. But let's be real. Stanford did not play well. They shot 14 of four, uh, four 14 from three. They only got to the free throw line twice. Although yeah. both, both those times were really big free throws. Um, and, uh, they turned the ball over 21 times, as I mentioned, but it just kept getting the bounces. They never let Arizona accumulate moments of momentum. The, 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 I like to say, like, you you need these little these little things to go and stack up in your favor to get momentum going. They just never let it happen, and they just kept playing their game. I think Haley Jones yeah. is she, one of – she's so – like, we've seen so much great young talent in college basketball this season. Even her teammate, Cameron Brink, aliyah Boston, Paige Beckers. The one who kept her composure the most, the one who showed her maturity the most in this tournament, in my opinion, is Haley Jones. Yeah. Every time there was a play, right? It was, especially in that last, that last three-point play that was ended up being the game-winning bucket, it was perfect execution. Got to her spot, turned around, got the defender's arm, hit the bucket. And it was just like she knew exactly where to be, exactly what to do. And her maturity was off the charts to me.
0: Yeah. Yeah, love watching her play. And even in the open court, right, she gets out and runs. Mm -hmm. But you mentioned all the little tips and, like, just being close to the ball. Stanford was extremely long. Like, I mean, yes, there's, like, the mental and the the hustle and the heart and all that. But Stanford had some inches at different positions on them. And so I think that that helps them get to those spots and, and, you know, get their fingers on that ball a little bit more as well. So I thought that was really evident yesterday. You know, Arizona kept trying to get into the paint. And I appreciate the attack mentality. You mentioned the free throw disparity. They shot 18 versus Stanford's two. So they did a great job of attacking. But there's a different, hey, when you get two feet from the rim and uh you got a Cameron Brick, you got the Hulls, you got Precto, like you, yeah. you got big, long, and I mean that's their bigs. Their guards are also pretty long players. You know, it those aren't to me like those weren't the best. Those weren't the best looks for them consistently, right? So you appreciate Mm -hmm. the attack mentality, but when you're going up against the Stanford, mm, you know (laughs) you're not going to get those calls because they don't have to foul; (laughs) they just go straight up. They were they're a very long team,
1: and they're wonderfully coached. Uh, This is yes,
0: well, yeah, (laughs) that's obviously. (laughs) I mean,
1: it kind of goes without saying when you have the winningest coach in women's college basketball history, but it's also I didn't realize this; it's been 29 years since uh tara vanderveer's last national championship this is her third um so my entire life i have not seen her win a national championship and it's just i I was young about that
0: i was young i won't say how but i I will say this game i i was actually like i was when that was reiterated last night my mind was a little bit blown as well because you're Mm -hmm. right like we we hear her name every year but i was lucky i got to call stanford two years ago and she was incredible little like E3 university of Buffalo. And they were actually supposed to play in Canada, but something had happened where they had to relocate to, uh, to Buffalo's gym. And Buffalo was a very good team, by the way, they played them really tough and Stanford. They were like top team in the country. I think they were number one or, you know, right up there. And it was no problem. Sure. Like whatever you guys need. And she, she's from Western New York area, coach Tara, So I think that that was like kind of her homecoming as well, but I mean, they were amazing. They, she was amazing. Um, her staff was amazing. So I, I mean, I think you appreciate that too. Right. When, when they're just, they get it, they get like the, they get the whole, like, just kind of growing the game, bringing everybody around with them, including the broadcasters. Let me give you as much as my brain as I can Mm -hmm. like that to me, like that's very important because that's how we all get better, just by sharing our knowledge and kind of creating this environment of open arms. And uh, and I was very, very happy uh for coach 29 years? Like right. I'm that Great. makes you in. and I think we'll see Arizona. I think we'll see. Coach Barnes up there again. Right. We'll see him. So, I mean, let's go, let's keep, let's keep going.
1: (laughs) So that T dog as her players call her, I will not be calling her T dog. (laughs) She's coach Vanderveer to me. Um, But she wins her third national championship. Congratulations to Stanford. Uh, Congratulations to Arizona on a great season. And, you know, congratulations to everyone. As we mentioned at the top, like, The season's in, we feel good, and we can now move on to um, some other things, namely the WNBA draft. But our next segment, we're going to relive some of our favorite moments from the tournament. So uh, stick with us, and we'll be back with that in one second. Bet online the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, and now college basketball is about to be over, but the NBA and NHL are in full swing. Bet online even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV, real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to our the website and use your mobile device or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your fifty percent welcome bonus on your first deposit with the promo code Locked On Bet Online. Your online sports booking experts. Welcome back to Locked On Women's Basketball. Gabe Ibrahim and Amy Audbert bringing you the Monday show on this podcast feed. Though you'll see Erica Ayala on Tuesdays and Thursdays, Howard McDell on Fridays. You can also hear Erica and I talk about the national championship game on Locked On today. Today, today, okay, today. whatever you get it. Just go locked on today, and you'll hear Erica. <laughs> or just follow us on Twitter. I'm at Gay One Ibrahim. Amy is at Amy Audibert. You can follow the show on Twitter at Locked On WBB. Um, I'm pretty sure Erica. I'll repeat. It doesn't matter. You guys will figure it out. Let's talk about our favorite moments from the NCAA tournaments, or just moments that we want to talk about. Amy. Um, What what were some of the things that you want to uh, relive here before we we move on to uh, WNBA draft prep? Well,
0: I just, you know, you mentioned at the top of the show, Gabe, that we're going to remember this tournament for a while. And I think it's because the empowerment that the student athlete, I mean, when things, we don't need to get into it on this show right now today. But the disparity when Sedona Prince and company, and I think it was actually the Stanford strength and conditioning coach also, forgive me, I don't have her name off the top of my head, but really um, showed the women versus the men. And all of a sudden the whole world kind of got on it. And so I know I don't want to take away from the basketball, but I, I will tell you this. Uh, I think the Baylor UConn game was big time. And mm-hmm. I'm not going to say that it was the most, Oh, incredible defining moment of a no call because our game is so much more than that. But when you see LeBron James, when you see Fran Frischella, um and then, you know, when you see Drake, And you see literally some of the biggest voices in our kind of pop culture, right? Yep. Watching women's basketball and expressing their opinions about women's basketball, um, and showing engagement in it. Like I, I thought that, that that was huge. This is, this is not the WNBA. This is the, this is women's college basketball. And to me, like, I think the product was great. I know Drake was watching the, uh, the, it was the Texas Maryland game. You know, that wasn't a final. What was that? An elite eight game. You know, like that invested, like, you know, he's sitting there at home, like posting him and his boys. Like what to me, like the pro we know the product. I just recorded a podcast with former Duke head coach, Joe, um, Joanne P McCauley. And you know, we were talking about this and I said, you know, coach, like we know our product, we know yeah. it's good. We know it's been better than the men's tournament, not to, to compare them for, for a couple times the last couple of yeah. years. Like we know that, but it's really cool to see like other people kind of start lifting their eyebrows. And to me that goes back to just like the student athletes using their voices and their platforms um, on top of their game. And so I don't want to get, I, I'm going to get off my soapbox here, Kate, but um, I just, I thought that there were some defining moments um this tournament in terms of not just like getting other people to pay attention, but also continuing to fight and advocate for for our sport.
1: As, as a TikToker myself, where you can follow me at Ball and Order and I do Ooh. a lot of videos on women's basketball, um, Sedona Prince is like an amazing follow on TikTok. And it's partly because she talks about all this and she, you know, I think, social media has made this so much easier for the the women to market themselves and every, every athlete, like it goes for every sport, but especially for um, young women in college basketball, like the best way to get people to notice who you are is through TikTok, Instagram, and, and I guess Twitter. I don't think the kids are on Twitter anymore, but you know, like they, they've been able to cultivate a following through social media. And that has been, that now is turning into a following of further games. You know, we had Travis Scott, as you mentioned, Travis Scott's watching Caitlin Clark, but it, it's like There you go.
0: Yeah. That's you insane. Can, like that's a You got the cool ones. <laughs> you yeah. know the cool ones. Go ahead.
1: <laughs> yeah. I was like I Travis Scott, the, the crossover I didn't know I needed Travis Scott in women's basketball. Um but they, you know, it, it was great to see kind of this tournament represent another big step in the evolution yes. of of women's basketball. Um you know we saw ratings shoot through the roof. We saw the ratings actually um, you know, go up while the men's ratings went down. As you know, and, and, and like you said, we don't have to compare men's and women's basketball. Guess what, guys? It's the same freaking sport. But yeah, this tournament, I think the women's tournament this year has just been a little bit more compelling than the men's tournament, just because we had all the best teams play each other. You had all the storylines you wanted. You had Caitlin Clark versus Paige Beckers. You had that that no the no call at the end of the Baylor game. You had South Carolina missing the shot um, to beat. Uh, to beat Stanford right you had you had moments that were good and bad to me my favorite was uh, Jordan Nixon's game winner for uh, Texas A&M against oh god I can't even remember who that was that was like a week was that ago. Iowa State yeah it was Iowa yeah. State there we yeah go. So, yeah, um, yeah
0: yeah
1: it was against Iowa State and you know her 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 uh, on-court press conference afterwards or um, interview afterwards where she said like yeah. those players believe in me they trust me and that to me was like what basketball is all about and I think there was a lot of moments where I was like this is what basketball is all about. And I think it represented our sport wonderfully. Um, that being said, you know, it, it, we still have a ways to go. I don't want to, I don't want to diminish the, the work ahead of us, but when you when you start looking back to where this sport was not that long ago, right? Like I'm reading Pat Summit's book, Sum It Up, right? And there's like times where she literally has to yell at a men's coach to let her let the teams finish. A tournament game yeah. in the in the in the '80s, and then to yeah. see where it is now, where it's like this is a prominent pop culture event. I think it's just a credit to everyone who has put in the time: Tar Van Der um Don Staley, Adia Barnes, Gina Ariama, like all all the people that have um, have built this up. To where it is now, I think is has been special. Um, do you have like one moment though, like on court moment that it stuck out to you?
0: Oh boy, I, I you know I don't know. I keep going I, and not again like not like in celebration. I keep going back to like South Carolina missing those two layups and the emotion right after. It's just you know as, as glorious as the NCAA tournament is, it's gut wrenching too, yeah. right? Like and to see that like um that was that was a killer that's the one that, like, that's still like laying really heavy on my heart
1: <laughs> no that kind of killed me and having to see I actually I did a tiktok on that having to see um Ilya Boston feel like cry on the court like that's just heartbreaking and there was a lot of heartbreaking moments that's what college basketball kind of yeah, turns Yeah but into. you know what
0: I also think what you, when UConn went on that 19-0 run against Baylor like that was also like an incredible yeah incredible series right there too. I don't know, like I know most of the world will hate me because I said it was UConn, but it was great. Like that's yeah. <laughs> why they're a contender every year because they're really, really, really good. Like we have to stop disliking like people because they're so good. You know, like we have to stop. It's funny. I just had this conversation. We have to stop hating Tom Brady. We have to stop hating LeBron James. We have to stop hating the Brooklyn Nets because apparently they're villains now because they're just want to be really, really good. And we have to stop hating UConn women's basketball because guess what? They're really, really, really good.
1: I agree, but we do not have to stop hating Tom Brady. Everyone hates Tom Brady. But I I think uh, UConn is a perfect villain. If you do not like them, they're great because... They, they make you mad, they get to the end, and then they lose in the semifinal. That's what they've done the last four years. This is perfect. It's like a perfect movie. Like the mm-hmm. villain has to do something to get to like a point where the hero can win. And we've had that the last four years, people. Like, this is amazing. This is perfect. Um, how'd your bracket do? Did you- did You uh, uh, You know,
0: I so it's funny story, don't get mad. I actually didn't do brackets this year. Good for you. Because I was in the middle of- the G League season, the international women's game for the Raptors. And yeah. I've been doing, as you've mentioned, radio on the Raptors. And so I've, I didn't actually take time. Cause I don't like to just like scribble my brackets. I actually like to on both sides, the women's and the men's, like I invest because it's like, mm-hmm. I take it seriously. So I'm kind of glad I didn't. Cause I'll tell you right now, my bracket would have been busted on day one. Yeah. Um, but, um, no, so sorry. But when it got to obviously when it gets to the eight and the four, you know I think if Baylor beat Yukon, I think they would have got to the title game. And yeah. I mean, I, I'm not again not taking anything away from Arizona. They got there, they deserve to get there. I think Baylor would have been a better matchup in terms of size, right? They just have a lot, like DD Richards up top, like they just have mm-hmm. some like longer players. Um, but again, I also understand didn't get there for a reason. So, but I did, did but um, I thought it would have been a Baylor stanford final if if i looked at that elite eight um but didn't happen i think
1: yeah Bay- <laughs> baylor i don't know i'm glad I, I'm, I'm happy with it but yeah i think baylor stanford yeah. would have been a great match i did want to tell everyone what my bracket did this year okay. uh because i did i did invest <laughs> i tried yeah. i researched i host this podcast i write about college basketball on the her hoop stats bracket Challenge. I finished hundred and fifty third out of 161.
0: No, that's OK.
1: How am I so <laughs> bad at this? I covered the sport. I watched all of the games. I knew all the players. I know what I was. I, I don't understand how I'm so bad at this. And I tell you why every year. I'll tell you why,
0: Gabe. I actually know I'm not saying you're bad at this, but I'm going to say this is the no other, this is actually I'm so far on the other side that this is where my is usually bust because you just said You watch all the games, you look at the coaches, you know, the plays, you know, the players like you do, you know, the college game, Mm. with the back of your head, March is always about something else. There's always something else that you can't watch that you can't look on a box for that, that gets into your soul and gets into those players souls. And that's why it's to me, one of the most exciting tournaments in any sport or kind of finals championships, whatever, whatever you want to call it. And that's why, because it's just, there's something. And so sometimes you just have a gut feeling like, you know what? There's something about this team. Like at what point did, did you say to Arizona, you know what? There's something about this team. Oh yeah. And hear that, you know what I mean? So um, I would say that's why.
1: Yeah, no, it's it's, it's fine. I mean, whatever, that's life, right? Um, but yeah. that, is, that is a wrap kind of on the college basketball, we're gonna talk about college basketball, We're gonna talk about college basketball more um, throughout the draft prep. And as we go into the WNBA season, we'll have plenty of time to do that. But right now we are gonna turn the page a little bit to talk about the WNBA draft. And we will be doing that in just a second. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. If you've listened to the show before, you've heard Amy talk about all the flavors that she loves, how much she loves taking in her purse. Eating, and we're drinking all the supplements. And I have to agree. I finally tried the birthday cake uh, built bar; delicious. Yeah, Amy's looking. I told her not to talk because now if we go too long on these. But the 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 the, uh, the birthday cake one's really good. I have not had the raspberry one, but the double chocolate ones are all great. They're made with good flavors. Like this is not just one of those cardboard um, protein bars that you get at the store typically. However, while they taste great, they're also healthy. They're great for the health-conscious person looking to lose or maintain weight. The bars are low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, and high-fiber. They're great for a keto diet. So if you're looking for a great snack on the go, Built Bar is the way to go. You can go to their website, builtbar.com. Use the promo code LOCKEDON20, 20 now, not 15, because you're going to get 20% off your next order. Use the promo code LOCKEDON20 for 20% off at builtbar.com and have the best tasting protein bar ever. Do you not know anything about cars? Because I don't, with the ever increasing number of makes, fiat Kia's, and models, the Pacifica, the XT5, there's an SE something or whatever. It is now impossible to stock all the parts you need in a traditional chain storefront. Why endure the often pointless and seemingly intimidating? Intimidating questioning is your car this or that? I don't know. And wait while the counterman orders the parts on his computer, choosing only the brand that the warehouse happens to carry. You have the technology to beat this problem. You can access rockauto.com at home or in your pocket. Rockauto.com is a family business serving the auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules to brake parts, to tail lamps, to motor oils, and even new carpets. I knew what a few of those things were. So if you're a classic or a day, if you have a classic, if you have a daily driver, get everything you need and a few easy clicks quickly delivered to your door. Best of all, the prices at Rock Auto are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same Parts. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts for your car or truck right locked on in the How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. Welcome back to Locked On Women's Basketball, your Monday show. Again, make sure you subscribe because there's a bunch of other women's basketball coming along the way, including our prep for the WNBA draft, which is going to be on April 15th. So wait a minute. That is in 10 days. That's in 10 days, Amy. Stop it. What, the- what <laughs> do you mean? I know, right? Oh, um, God. Okay. So you know, that's in 10 it's days.
0: crazy. Yeah. And like you I mean, imagine this, like what, what, when did the big 50 list of 52 come out two days ago? Like think about Uh, if you're WNBA front office right now, like 52 players. And I mean, really like, so we're going to see out of this Stanford and Arizona teams, right? Because you said they have 48 Mm -hmm. hours from their seasons over to, to declare. Uh, so we're looking probably closer to what? 56, 60, uh, in in a, a draft of 36. Yep. And there's like 10 spots in the real. league available. Most. Yeah. yeah. Most of the time, those third rounders don't, don't even make the team. You know, a lot of sometimes second rounders don't. So mm. uh, it's going to be, it's interesting. It's it's a lot of players <laughs> trying to buy for those spots. It's going to be a, a crazy 10. You said 10 days. It's gonna be crazy. 10 days.
1: I, I, you know, I didn't think about that. Cause I didn't, I guess like my clock is all off, but yeah, 10 days. And there have been, like, some, you know, players that we thought would be coming out, like, you know, Westbrook's coming back. Uh, well, she hasn't. We, we saw on Instagram she said unfinished business with the Husky next to it, so, like, we think she's coming back. A Lorelai Gabay from Georgia Tech is coming back. Um, you know, we haven't heard from the Stanford or Arizona players, obviously, because they just finished playing. Uh, we haven't heard from all of the South Carolina and um, UConn players, although most of, most of them are still young. So we're we're in a, a tight pickle here as an MBA a WNBA front office because I'm not sure who's coming out.
0: Yeah, and and I would just add this game. I mean, you saw I did see especially some WNBA players just kind of be vocal about this is why we need expansion. Uh, I would ask because I've been thinking about that now the last couple of days. But do you do you believe that? Like, what do you think? I mean, yes. Do I think there it would be great to have expansion? A hundred percent. But do you think that that waters, I don't want to say waters down, but you know, what? do you get what I'm getting yeah. at? Like I'm not, no. I do believe, yeah. Like there needs to be a couple more teams, 144 spots for the best players in the world just simply isn't enough. But when you see 52 players declaring for the draft? Like, are they all WNBA players?
1: Well, so I think, I think it, there's a middle ground here between expansion and leaving things the same because First off, expansion just not happening. Reality situation. I'm gonna tell you that. Like I've talked to a bunch of people, it ain't happening for a while. Like it, it, yeah. it, this year is gonna be more of about a recovery year from a business perspective for the WNBA. Yeah. While last year was great in terms of um, TV and 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 recognition and the league continuing to grow in that sense, they did lose money because they had to pay for the bubble. They had to outlay a lot more money for that. They had to lose ticket revenues. There's there a lot. There's a lot of loss. If for every league, every league in the world lost money last year. But um there's, so there's going to be a year of recovery. There's probably going to be a year of exploration into an expansion. And then there's going to be, you know, at least a year of getting an expansion team off the ground. So we're looking, you know, at like 2024, probably 2025, 2026 is a realistic expansion time. If it's going to happen, I do think we're going to expand eventually. The middle Who gets it?
0: Ever. Who gets it? Sorry. Okay, go on. <laughs> That's
1: I don't know. I'd, I'd, I'd probably say like, I don't know. I don't know. It's like Toronto. Toronto do you think, you
0: think it's going to go international? Like that's the I'd other thing. Like that's a yes. But when we're talking about like revenue and everything, do you think international is a whole nother loophole? And I, you're talking to someone who's going up to Toronto I, to call a game in about five hours from now. So like, I get it. I just, I'm curious what your thoughts are on that.
1: I think they could. I mean, like I, I don't, if the NBA can do it, I don't see what it does. And the thing about it is you need a, you need a facility and an ownership group that's ready to take it under. And I think like Toronto, is is it has everything you don't have to well there's a g league
0: yeah yeah. there's a g league facility that also runs hockey so off season hey Uh, (laughs) anyway sorry you're middle ground i'm getting all over the place because i love this conversation i'm excited about it
1: but middle ground and this is the first thing that needs to happen i think this hopefully will happen within the next couple years and it's just about the owners outlaying more money It's just roster expansion 15 spots we have 15 spots, and that that makes that alleviates so many issues between having to sign. If you lose two players, like you're down to 10 players, and you can't really play like that. Not just from a, a game perspective, but from a practice perspective, it's really hard to play like that. So you need they need to expand the rosters to 15 players per team. That just means slightly more outlay of money from the owners. I think as if revenues go up this year, as I was saying, this is a recovery year, so we're not going to see it this year. I think hopefully next year is the first realistic time If hey, revenues are now going up because we saw the TV exposures leading the more people spending their money on this product in terms of tickets, merchandising, everything. Like Then you will start to see more owners being like, okay, we're willing to outlay more money to have more players on each team. And I think that's the first step. Once we see that, and then we'll see how much talent there's left because there's going to be... If there's 15 players per team, then we have players that can be developmental, that can you can take more of a chance on players. And we're going to see a lot, I think we're going to see a little bit um, more parity, perhaps. I don't know, actually. I'm not sure how that would affect the top players. But I think that's the first step, is like we need to have roster expansion. The question is, I'm not entirely sure if they can do that under the collective bargaining agreement.
0: CBA, so, yeah. Well, the new CBA concerned. also came out, but I would say this game, I think this year the W and the NCAA really need to come together. And, and maybe even it's just a one year exception where players can test the waters and come back because don't forget the NCAA, you know, they, they they're granting that extra year of eligibility because yeah. of COVID. So if you're one of those seniors who declares for the draft, but, you know, some of these names, I'm kind of just like, I'm not quite sure, you know, yeah. <laughs> if this is the best decision. They have the opportunity to go back and, and play. And I think for the in the in the NCAA's favor, it caters to them because you want their game to be the best it can be. Right. And so to yeah. have some of these players come back and be senior leaders next year, I don't know. I, I'm sure, again, another conversation. But I I I would be happy if that decision was made because the- 36 players out of let's say 56 so that you're going to have 20 players let's say not select let's just say that because we're not even talking about like europeans no. or anything right give them the option to go back and play that's all i
1: do the, <laughs> the ncaa is recalcitrant on that front if you don't know what recalcitrant means look it up because that's a good sat word but um it, it's that is the NCA will just never do that uh, until their hands yeah. are forced. But I think the, again, it has, you have to have more spots. Like once roster expansion comes, then that's when we'll revisit eligibility. Um, but it has to also be like in the play, like, remember, this is all, this is not just like, Hey, what's best for the league. This is negotiation between the players association and the WNBA. So it has to be good for the player association. And if you have more players, there's less money. Like dude, there's just less money for everyone else that's what happens when you add more players to an eligibility requirement and then you're you're you know cycling out more veterans for more young players so that's why it has to be sort of money goes up then roster size goes up then eligibility goes up and that, that it's there's steps to this and then hopefully at the end of this we have like three new three or four new franchises right
0: I agree. But this year, the NCAA needs to be doing whatever they can to help out their student-athletes just to kind of help, like, save their own faces a little bit because this has been very, very bad. Um, so saying, hey, you know, test the waters. Don't hire an agent. Just test the waters. And uh, if you want to come back, we'll, we'll let you come back this year. Because this year has been a bit of a disaster. Yeah. Okay.
1: <laughs> the, uh, the NCAA. You're the lawyer.
0: You're the lawyer. I'm the fan.
1: The <laughs> The NCAA. Ain't gonna do anything for anybody else besides the NCAA <laughs> because they are the absolute worst. We got to go got to go back to the AIAW for women's basketball. That's a different podcast on I actually do want to talk about that. But we have we we have talked a lot. We have spent a lot of time with you talking about women's basketball after a wonderful college basketball season and Amy, it's been a joy to cover it with you here on Locked On Women's Basketball. And now we immediately go right into uh, the WNBA draft and that's in 10 days. So next week we will, I don't know, we'll do a mock draft. I'm not even sure. I didn't know. I didn't know it was in 10 days. So we only have one more show before the WNBA draft. That'll be next Monday. We hope you join us for that. We hope you're subscribed to the rest of the shows and we hope you have a lovely Monday and rest of the week.